is so good. So if you're new or visiting, we're, we're going through the book of Psalms, verse by verse, song by song. And again, if you're not familiar with the book of Psalms, it, they are songs. Uh, we read them as possible letters or little notes, but they are literally songs to be sung. Now, we don't know the harmony, the melody, so we do just read them as a letter, but we want to keep that in the back of our mind because uh, music has a tremendous impact upon our lives, tremendous impact, especially as teenagers. And so we're in the book of Psalms. We'll pick it up in Psalm 41. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be used by you. Um, you are faithful, even as we're going to see in your word this morning. We are not always faithful. And Lord, we just thank you and praise you that is our salvation is not based upon what we can do for you, but it is only based on what you have already done for us. So, Lord, we just come this morning to present our, our lives, our minds, our hearts. We, we want to lay aside the day. There's, there's a lot of things maybe going on later today. We want to set this week at your throne. Maybe it's been an anxious week, a frustrating week. Maybe it's been a joyful week. But, Lord, right now we're opening your love letter. So help us to focus on these words that you have for us this morning, individually, as well as families, as well as maybe corporately as a church. I know every believer in this room desires to be in your perfect will. And so, Lord, just reveal that even this morning, that you might be glorified in all that's said and all that's done. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, this psalm may, may, we don't know exactly why and when, but it may have been written during that time of rebellion by David's son, Absalom. And you can read about that possible setting starting in 2 Samuel 16, 15. And if you are familiar with that, then some of these verses are going to go, oh, I could see how that applies. So Psalm 41. To the chief musician, a psalm or a song of David. Blessed is he who considers the poor, The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sick bed. Those who are poor will always be a part of this life. Jesus said that. That's just reality. But David, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, makes this point, that if a person, if you or I, if we remember the poor, God will bless and honor that individual, which is mind-boggling in and of itself, that God would honor me. Why does that take place? Every human being is created in the image of God. And that is what is key for you and I as we listen to this nonsense on TV or on radio or in our discussions with people in our workplaces. It's literally nonsense. Every single person on the face of this earth is created in the image of God, no matter what their racial, social, or economic status may be. And so we need to treat them as such. So David says that God will take care of those who bless 
the less fortunate. Now, now some wisdom needs to be used when blessing the poor, like providing them food instead of giving them money. But you individually have to pray about that. But be careful what you do with your funds. Be careful that you're not actually hindering that person and giving them funds to do something that they shouldn't be doing. But they have an addiction or whatever the case may be. Because in reality, money may not be the answer to their problems, but food and clothing are always a blessing. And you know what? They may actually turn it down. We've had people say, no, I don't want, I don't want food. I need money. Sorry. I can, I can just give you some food. So be wise. But we should remember the poor. Verses four through eight. I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. You see, David was a merciful man. And as you read the scriptures, he showed King Saul and various others over many years God's wonderful attribute of mercy. But notice what David acknowledges here. He acknowledges his own sin. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. And over the years, we can get a misconception of who God is. And if we really don't understand who God is and who we are in Christ, that can hinder our walk with Christ. And so I just want to mention this real quickly. It's very important that you realize that you are forgiven at the cross. Everything you've ever done, everything you will ever do, you have been forgiven at the cross. Now, that doesn't mean that we should go out and sin willfully. Oh, I'm forgiven, so let's... No, you don't want to live like the devil at all. That's immaturity. But you do need to realize that. Well, then why does the scripture say I need to ask for forgiveness? Why would David be asking for forgiveness? And this is why you want to read from Genesis to Revelation. Because from heaven to earth, God sees us as what? Saints, holy, unblameable. There's no record of any sin on God's account at all in heaven. None whatsoever. So God sees us that way always and forevermore. But unfortunately, from earth to heaven, we make mistakes. We make mistakes. We are sinners. You know, we're saints trapped in these sinful bodies. And so when we sin, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us will be grieved, which will then grieve our hearts, which is very important. So as we grieve, we can go to the Father and ask for forgiveness. And you might think, well, what if he doesn't forgive me? And this is why you want to read all the scriptures. He's already forgiven you. You've been forgiven at the cross. It's not a matter of, well, I wonder if God will forgive me. You've already been forgiven. But we need to ask forgiveness so we'll be right with God. God's right with us. God is right with us. And if you don't think that's the case, you better always do 35 and a 35, 45 and a 45, and 55 and a 55. Because if you don't, you're breaking the law and you're living in sin. And if you get killed in a head-on when you're in sin, well, then kiss it goodbye. That's not the way it works. We always just look at sin as, you know, adultery, murder, you know, the big ones, the big sins. Sin is sin. So you don't want to go down that road and you don't want to allow the enemy to put that into your mind because if it's the enemy condemning you, notice the difference in terms, which the enemy does, right? The enemy never encourages you. Hey, you're such a great person. Keep loving God. The enemy never says that. No, he condemns you, which will then lead to separation and isolation, being afraid to approach God. 
No, David over and over and over again gives us this example. Heal my soul for I have sinned against you. It's important for you and I to do that privately. And if we do need to go to a brother or a sister, then we should do that as well to make things right. My enemies speak evil of me. When will he die and his name perish? You and I have enemies. They might not be in our face and they're known enemies. Oh, I can list my enemies. But you as a believer have enemies. They're called unbelievers. And they might not be hostile towards you. They might not be in your face, I'm going to hurt you, I want to kill you mentality. But you have to realize that as a believer, you're not in of this world anymore. You're different. You're set apart. We're still in this world, but we're not of this world. So when you do the right thing at work and they mock you and ridicule you, don't be surprised about that. And don't try to be their buddy buddies and go along with the system. Oh, you cheat? Well, I want to, I don't want to be ostracized. I don't want to be mocked. So I'll cheat as well. No, no, no. Don't cheat. You're a Christian. We got tax season coming up. You, you don't cheat on your taxes. Give the Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Now, if the government gives us a write off, by all means use it. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't cheat. Be an example. And David here is just saying, you know, my enemies, they speak evil of me. I'm sick. Something's going on within me and and my enemies are rejoicing over my sickness. When will he die and his name perish? And if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. So someone comes to visit David, the enemy, one of David's enemies, comes to visit him, finds out how he's doing. Oh, you're doing better? In his mind, man, what a bummer. Oh, you're doing worse? Great, I hope you die. And then he goes out and then he starts to spread that. David's doing worse. He's going to die. Praise God. It's bizarre, but that's the way people think, unfortunately. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me, they devise my hurt. So again, don't be surprised when those in the world come against you and even try to get you fired. We shouldn't be surprised by that. I mean, if you're a really good employee, you're showing up on time, you're not stealing, you're not cheating, you're doing your work, what you're doing is making everybody else look bad. So we shouldn't be surprised that they want to get you fired. But we just keep serving the Lord. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. You know, Matthew 5, 7 says this. As it started off in verse 4, I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Jesus is teaching his disciples at the very beginning of the ministry. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You see, David went back to God. He acknowledged his own sin, but he went back to the one who could literally heal him. If not physically, could heal his soul. And for you and I, it's the same thing. We may take our illness to the grave. We're all going to die of something. If you die in good health, praise God. But we're all going to die of something. Let's make sure that our soul is right with God. Verse 9, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. 
Now, this is interesting because Jesus actually quotes this, some of this verse in John 13, 18. And it could be in reference, this is the Psalm of David, it could be in reference to one of David's counselors, Ahithophel. Ahithophel. Now, Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. You might not have known that. Was Bathsheba's grandfather. And I'm sure that he was upset about the situation of his granddaughter being impregnated by David through adultery. Not that he thought his granddaughter was absolutely pure and innocent, because I don't believe Bathsheba was. But it still grieved him. And so after many years, as you read the story of faithful service of Hithophel serving David faithfully, one of David's sons, Absalom, comes up with a plan to overthrow David and to kill David. And Ahithophel transfers his allegiance from David, King David, to Absalom and wants to see David killed as well. And as you read the scriptures, unfortunately, that counsel fell upon his own head and Ahithophel actually went out and hanged himself, committed suicide because his plan didn't work out. You see, God has a plan for our lives and we just need to keep serving God. No matter what others accuse us of or say about us or this, that, or the other thing, just put your head down, keep plowing. That's that's my mentality. I'm just a dumb old mule. I'm just going to put my head down, and I'm just going to keep plowing. If I need to repent, I'll repent, but I'm just going to keep plowing. Guys, that's what we need to do. Just, just Just stay focused on God and keep plowing. But you, O Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. David prays to be strengthened so that he might reestablish his throne and continue the promise of the Messiah coming through his lineage. You see, in the end, in the end, we see that Absalom was perverse. And when you look at his life, he was perverse. In his ambitions. And Solomon was preserved for the kingdom. Two sons, brothers. In the end, this is what took place. So for you and I, guys, as we serve the Lord, you got to remember that. Stay focused on God. Stay focused on heaven. Because David wraps up the psalm with this. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. And I love the way that he wraps up that song. I have sinned. I need your mercy. I want this kingdom established. But whatever's going to happen, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He proclaims the truth. Blessed. And whatever comes into our lives, that needs to be, that we need to get back to that truth. Whatever we might be going through, whatever pain, whatever sorrow, whatever joy, whatever disappointment, whatever it might be, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Because you you deserve our praise. You deserve our praise. You see, God deserves all the worship. That word blessed there, it actually means to kneel in the Hebrew. It means to kneel. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. What is kneeling as far as God is concerned? When we kneel, we are submitting but we were also adoring. God, we adore you. God, we praise you. It's a very uncomfortable position. I encourage you to do it at times. It's not like you have to kneel to pray. I was raised in a church where it was stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. We were kneeling every Sunday. Didn't know why, but it's just part of the routine. 
We can actually kneel, you know, in your bed when you're praying. You get on your knees and kneel. It's a different position. It feels awkward. But it's also very reverence. And see how the Holy Spirit ministers to you. So David ends it up. Blessed be the Lord God. You deserve my adoration from everlasting and everlasting. And guys, that's what we're going to be doing forevermore. We're not going to be discussing politics in heaven. Praise God. We're not going to be discussing sport teams in heaven. Praise God. We're just going to be talking about Jesus, God the Father. We're going to be discussing one another's testimonies and how God used us in ways that we don't even know. You know, all the missionaries that we support, we basically send them, just again, we have new people here so you might not know, we basically send a missionary $250 per month. And, and I think we're supporting 22 or 23 missionaries. And, and you can see, we have a report in the lobby that you guys can go look at. On average, this church gives seven to $8,000 per month to missionary support. We also do stuff locally here as well, helping with rent or bills. We don't give people money. We just do not do that. But we will help pay a bill or something like that. So th- when we get to heaven, guys, what you have done for the Lord is going to be proclaimed. That's exciting, and you should be excited about that. Well, book two, as we look at Psalm 42 through 72, you might have it in your Bible or on your app. It says book two. What does that mean? Well, Psalm 42 starts another section, or what is referred to as a book of songs. And as the Holy Spirit inspired men to write the Psalms, subsequent books were added or men were inspired to put a collection of songs together that were already written psalms. Books two and three were probably written and or brought together during the reign of King Hezekiah, while books four and five were brought together during the time of Ezra. So that's what, when you see that, what's book two mean? That's what that's about. Now, the author of this psalm is not certain, but he was from the family of Korah, family of Korah, who had died in rebellion against the Lord. And also, as you read Psalm 42 and 43, it appears that they were one, and for whatever reason, at some point, they were divided into two. We're not sure why. And we're not, we can't say adamantly for sure that they are one, but it appears that they do. And in Psalm 43, we see that he's a, He's an exile amongst the Gentiles. You know, it was probably during one of those appointed feasts that he wrote these psalms. And unable to make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, it grieved his heart and he wondered if God had forgotten him. And maybe sometimes that happens to you. God, do you, do you remember me? Anybody home? Are you hearing my prayer? God remembers us. I look at this as the psalmist, he was wrestling with the Lord before he comes to that place of rest and peace. And that, hap- that should happen for you and me as well as believers. Sometimes we've got to wrestle with the Lord, not against the Lord. It's not like you're going to overpower God and get your way. That's never going to happen. But it's okay to wrestle with God, spending time. God, what are you doing? Why is this happening? What am I doing wrong? What could I do differently? It is you. God is not the problem. It is you. It is always you. Might be minor. It might be big. But it always, how could God be wrong? How could God be doing something wrong? It's not God. So don't ever accuse God, but just go to God and wrestle and say, what am I doing wrong? Or what's wrong with the situation? 
Maybe you're not doing anything wrong. Maybe it is a situation, so you gotta ask that question. Well, what's wrong with the situation? How could I help the situation? There's many ways of praying, and so I encourage you to do that. Wrestle with God. So Psalm 42, to the chief musician, a contemplation of the sons of Korah. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. What a picture. What a, just, just that verse. What a picture. And, and we're all here in the desert. We know what it's like when it's 110 degrees out. And maybe you've worked out in the yard for a little while. Claudia will not even come out in the yard. She, she, she'll open the door, she'll put a drink on the table, and she'll run back in the house. She hates the hot. She won't spend any time out there. Hates it. I'll be out there. I, I don't mind it. Four, six, eight hours. It, it, it really doesn't bother me a whole lot. I, I, I kind of enjoy it. But you get hot. And you need that water. And here is this, this, this imagery of an animal who's panting for a water brook, a source of water. Where is our source of water? Ultimately, Jesus said, what? I am the bread of life. I'm the water. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. We got to keep going back to God. We got to keep seeking after God in his ways. But here the, the psalmist is saying, he's using this picture, this analogy to draw the readers in. Think of a deer panting for water. That's me. That's me. So my, so pants my soul for you. Oh God, I'm thirsty. I need an answer. I need direction. I need more of your Holy Spirit. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, where is your God? And again, most likely, these are the Gentiles, the unbelievers. They've been taken away into captivity. Where is your God that you worship? Where Where is he? Because your whole country has t- been taken away from you. And I can't go into that. You know the story. It was because they were rebellious that they lost their land. But here we see that this man has a very heavy heart as it describes his desire for God. His soul was seeking after God. Again, as I've already mentioned, just as a deer searches for a water source. That's you and me. Do we ever get to that place? Do we ever get to that place where we're really seeking after God? Or, or is church just church and, man, I'm going to be glad when this hour is over because then I can get on with the rest of my week. No, no. During the week, we need to be panting. We need to be looking for more of the word and in the word on a regular basis. You see, this man had a relationship with God and he desired to hear from God personally. He was weeping. Notice this. My tears have been my food day and night. He is grieving over what is taking place in his life. Is he in sin? From the psalm, I don't get that. He's grieving, I think, about his position, his place. He's in Babylon. Jude 17. Let's look at Jude 17 and 19. You see, as as we know, there will always has been and always will be those who mock our God, but there are also those who will glorify him with us as well. And in Jude 17 and 19, it's just one little page right before Revelation, we read this, but you, beloved, so Jude is saying, you saints, you see, if you have Jesus as your savior, you're a saint, no church makes you a saint. No group of people makes you a saint. Jesus makes you a saint. You're a saint. 
If you don't have Jesus as your Savior and you're with us this morning, you're an ain't. And we want you to become a saint. Because if you stand before God as an ain't, you ain't getting into heaven. You need to be a saint. It's, it's just that simple. And so, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. Now again, there have always been mockers in the church, outside the church, as well as within the church. But what I see this being is, is mocking the word of God. There's one thing about mocking God. There's another thing about mocking the word of God. And unfortunately, in the big C, the church, because there's only one church, there's many different names, but there's only one church, we have sound biblical doctrine that we're called to live to. And unfortunately, in the landscape of America, and there's another country that just voted in homosexual marriage the other day, we're going down a slippery slope. And even within churches, there's a tremendous compromise of accepting lifestyles. Oh, you're living together. That's okay, because God loves you. Okay, God does love you, but is it okay? No, not at all. Homosexuality. Oh, that's okay, because God loves you. As long as you're committed to one person, that's acceptable in God's eyes. Is that doctrinally true? No, not at all. Oh, you need, you, you need drugs for whatever reason. No, that's okay. You need those. Is that acceptable? Is that in the Word of God? You see, we just need to go across the whole spectrum. It's not just one sin. We have to evaluate sin and look and look at it and go, are there mockers? Is this one of the additional signs of the last days? It is one of the signs of the last days that people are mocking the Word of God. Guys, we gotta be careful and remain steadfast. Because it goes on to tell us in verse 19, these are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the Spirit. And notice that's capitalized, S. That's the Holy Spirit. So even though a person may call themselves a Christian, that doesn't make them a Christian. You have to be a Christ follower to be a Christian. A Christ follower. And to be a Christ follower, we read from Genesis to Revelation and try to be more like Jesus through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Not through our religious religious efforts, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. Back in Psalm 42, verses verse 4, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Maybe the Passover. As back in the Lord's day, Jerusalem would swell to hundreds of thousands, if not a million or two pilgrims, coming to offer sacrifice at the temple area. It was a phenomenal time, a great time of praise and worship. And that just soured his heart, sorrowed his heart, because he remembers going to Jerusalem. He remembers worshiping at the temple. It was always a time of great rejoicing, a wonderful time of celebrations. And the enemies of God would love for us to dwell upon the negative things that have happened to us in our lives. 
But we can look back and see how these negative things brought us closer to God. You know, it all depends on what we look back at. And how we allow the Holy Spirit to transform our minds into the mind of Christ. You're obviously here this morning. There are other people at other churches. We have good, solid, Bible-believing churches in our community. Believers are attending them. But unfortunately, over time, believers don't attend anymore. For whatever reason. They just drop out. They disappear. And what we found over the years is, is typically it's because of their own sin. It's not because they can't find a good church. I, I don't buy that excuse ever. That's ridiculous. Because the church is you. You're a part of, if you can't find a good church, you're the problem. The church is not the building. The church is you. You are the church. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. And so seek out that church that you want to get plugged into. Get plugged into that God's called you to. Get fed. And then turn around and feed somebody else. Minister to someone else. We do need to look back. And this man is looking back and he has tremendous sorrow. But he's allowing his mind to stay focused on who? God. And that's another reason why you and I, we need to stay in regular fellowship with like-minded believers. Like men's Monday night or women's Monday night, women's Tuesday morning, Wednesday night Bible study. Which? But I said that. This Wednesday, this Wednesday we're not having Bible study because of Thanksgiving. But coming out on Wednesday nights or other activities that we do, a home group, whatever the case may be, staying plugged in. Verses 5 and 6. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizra, Mizar, Mizar. And so, interesting thoughts here. He was commanding his soul to praise his God for he knew that God would come through. He looked back to the land of Israel and all that history came flooding back into his mind. You see, God provides. God provides. It it may seem like weeks, months, or even years, but God always comes through. He will always provide one way or another. Now, does that mean physically? More importantly, the soul. Because when all the physical is taken away, you still need peace in your soul. You know, when an illness comes upon you, like when my wife this past year was diagnosed with cancer, the physical didn't matter anymore. What mattered was her relationship with God, her relationship with Christ, and all the other relationships that she had. You see, when it all comes down, that's what it's all about. And God will meet you. And praise God, she was healed. We get to spend some more time together. But if she hadn't been healed, praise God. Because he knows what's best, not me. He knows what's best. And so we have to be willing to give everything into the hands of our Savior, into the hands of our God. If he is truly our Father, we truly have to trust him as such. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. Notice the, the expression here. This sounds pretty depressing. Sounds like he's in a pretty depressed, depressed state. And maybe you battle with depression. That could be, that, that could be a part of your life. Keep going back to God. 
Keep singing the songs of God. Keep going back to the truth of God's word. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Notice that. If this is a, you know, if this is a expression of depression, notice what he does. God in the day, God in the night. How can I get over this? God in the day, God in the night. Don't you have a better answer than that? Nope. God in the day, God in the night. I, I just try to keep it simple. It helps me in my simple little brain. I'm not the brightest bulb on the porch. So I need to keep it real simple. God in the day, God in the night. Oh, there's got to be more to it. Okay, you do it your way. I'll do it my way. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Again, a common question that will be asked of us as things get darker and darker and darker in our land. Where's your God? Where's the promise of his coming? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Hope in God. You see, the author asks himself questions that we probably have all asked ourselves at one time or another. The enemy will definitely float these types of questions into our minds, questions that will try to cause us to disbelieve what God's word says. Questions that will get us to rely upon our feelings. This is so important. Questions that will get us to rely upon our feelings instead of trusting in the facts of God's word. Guys, you and I as believers, we have to trust in the facts of God's word. Young people, if you start trusting in your feelings over over facts, you will make poor choices. Missionary dating. And this just isn't for young people. This can be for older saints. Missionary dating. Is there such a thing as missionary dating? There shouldn't be. You're a believer. Should you date an unbeliever? Well, well, if I just date them, maybe, maybe they'll get saved. But does God's word say that? Or does God's word say, see if he gets saved. See if they get on fire for the Lord. See if they really care about their Bible. See if they attend a prayer meeting or two. Let, let's see some fruit of their salvation first. And then, yeah, go ahead and date. But unfortunately, because we have these feelings, we don't take the facts of God's word. We place our feelings above God's word. And I'm sure there's many people in this room that could raise their hand, not going to ask you to, but could raise their hands on what a poor choice that was. So you just have to trust me at that. It's not a bright idea. Don't do it. If you're thinking about doing it, whether you're young or old, don't do it. Wait for God to bring you that individual that is going to be a blessing to you. Psalm 43, vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. So again, as we read these verses, this is why some people theorize that it might have just been one psalm at one time. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? 
Oh, send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. You see, light and truth will take us to the throne of God every single time. And that's why a lot of Christians don't want to read this. That's why a lot of Christians, that's why unbelievers don't want to come to a church. Because if they come to a church and they hear this, if the church is teaching this, they're going to be convicted because that's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. And who likes conviction? Do any of us really like conviction? I mean, not really. Not when we come right down to it. We'd rather do what we want to do when we want to do it. But yet we know as believers, we need that conviction. It's healthy. It's important us for it to have that conviction. You see, John eight twelve says this. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. As we leave that up there, I'm going to read the psalm again. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. So for you and I, we need to be in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation on a daily basis. On a daily basis that we can have that light lighting up our path, our daily walk. In John 14, 6, you probably have this memorized. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As we have various religions, and we're in this environment where no one's supposed to judge anybody, and and your truth is your truth, don't try to make it all truth. No, there is only one truth. It's very plain and clear here. The Word of God, Jesus is the light. The word of God and Jesus is the truth. Let them lead me. Verse 4. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And on the harp I will praise you, O God my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Again, you can kind of see how the two should be one. And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Hope in God. You see, when the questions are over or if they are still being asked, go to the altar of God. Go directly to the source and ask him to fill you with more of his Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will bring a person joy that's unspeakable, even incomprehensible at times. And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Let's wrap it up with Lamentations. Lamentations 3, 21 through 26. Verses that you're probably familiar with. But again, as the psalmist here is living in a foreign land, missing his homeland, missing the coming together of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pilgrims to worship at the temple of God. We read in Lamentations 3.21. This I will recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. What was David's prayer earlier on? God, be merciful to me. What was David's life characterized? Being merciful to others. So through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
God is faithful, guys. Whatever circumstance you're in, I don't need to know about it. If you need prayer, after the service, we have people up here that you can come up and get prayer for. We greatly encourage you to do that. But we don't need all the details. We can guarantee you this. God will meet you. God will meet you. But you have to make that decision yourself. And you don't have to come up here to do this. You can get together. You can do over a phone. You can pray anywhere, anytime. We know that. Praise God. We don't have to be like this person is, is thinking, boy, it'd be nice to go back to Jerusalem. We know God's everywhere at all times. But the point is, are we going to pray? Are we going to seek after him? For they are, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. My faithfulness, not so great. Maybe you're in a spot right now. It's not so great. Get back to the one who is great. Your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Notice that. It is good that one should hope. Where is our hope, guys? Is it in our 401k? Is it in the stock market? Is it in your home? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your children or grandchildren? Where is your hope? If your hope is not in God, your ultimate hope, if it's not in God, you're going to be disappointed sooner or later. You're going to be disappointed. And that disappointment could lead to more feelings with more poor choices. But if your hope is in God, when those things happen, you can go, no, my hope's in God. I'm disappointed right now. I'm frustrated right now. I'm angry right now. I'm anxious right now. I'm this, I'm that right now. But God, I'm trusting in you. I'm hoping in you. And you're going to level me off. And God always does. He always brings you back to that solid place of the truth of God's word. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. And Lord, we thank you for these artists, these men who put these songs on paper. And even though we don't know the melody or the harmony, we know the truth found within these songs. And Lord, as we sing modern songs, we attempt to base even our modern songs on theological truth. And so Lord, we thank you for these modern songs. We thank you for the truth. But Lord, help us always to go back to the original songs to study them, to read them, to meditate upon them. For there is so much truth in these songs. Lord, we pray for one another this morning as saints. We love one another, we care for each other, but we're all so busy and the week gets so busy. So Lord, remind us to pray for one another through this next coming week. Remind us maybe to send a text or to make a phone call or whatever it may be to encourage someone, to strengthen someone. Lord, help us also to reach out to those who we don't see anymore for whatever reason. And Lord, we pray for rebellious hearts. If they're not in fellowship here or somewhere else, they're in rebellion, Lord. We just pray that you would soften their heart even right now. That when they do receive that text or that phone call, they would answer. They would respond. They would repent and we'd be used of you to restore a brother or a sister. Lord, you're in the business of reconciliation and we are your ambassadors. Use us this week for that specific purpose. In Jesus' precious name, 
Amen. Amen. When we all stand, guys, have a blessed week. Have a blessed Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. All right. We're getting it. Yeah. Black Friday's coming, right? Go out and shoot the wad. Put it on credit. Go crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Merry Christmas. Jesus is the reason for the season. Right? Right? My TV, my new TV is not the reason for the season. Be happy about that. But be more happy at the cash register. Jesus is the reason for the season. Thanks for serving me. Watch their heads spin around a few times. See what happens, guys. God bless you. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Be safe if you're traveling. Amen. If we're going to sing that song, My Soul Thirst from Psalm 42. But before that, um, just thinking about that passage in Lamentations that Pastor Jim just brought up. I just, I got that chorus for great is thy faithfulness in my head. And I'd love to sing the whole song, but I don't have it. So unfortunately, but let's just proclaim that as a congregation today. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. Praise you, Lord. Let's sing that. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why do you doubt, O my soul? Place your hope in God, O my soul, for I will be glad. Praise, praise. Praise, I lift my voice and raise praise, I sing of your amazing grace to the living God. Praise, 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 I lift my voice and raise praise. Sing of your amazing grace to the living God, to the living God, to you the living God. Bless you.